I don't know what his uh, problems are. I don't know why that uh, someone that could be uh, the biggest name in the history of sports entertainment say, I'm not going to come to work. I'm, I'm going to turn my back on the people that have helped me because I'm pissed off, because I'm unhappy, because I just can't take it anymore. You win here as a team and you lose here as a team. But you don't just turn your back and say, I'm, I'm not going to do this, I'm going home. It'd be like John Wayne becoming a coward in a big fight. You never saw it happen. You'd never see it coming. And I didn't see this coming. And it hurt me. So, you know, most people probably won't keep a damn about that. Because I'll be back on TV Monday night, kicking ass, because I love my job. With or without Stone Cold. Would it be better if he was there? Yes. Stone Cold ain't going to be on Raw Monday night. Stone Cold ain't going to be on Raw again, as far as I know. We're about to get the real story, JR. Ever since last Monday night, the question that seems to be on everyone's mind is, is Stone Cold Steve Austin really gone? Sadly, sadly, the answer to that question is yes. Wow. I know I don't like it any more than you do. The other question on everyone's mind is, one day will Stone Cold Steve Austin be back in action in World Wrestling Entertainment? That's the question. I sincerely hope so. But quite frankly, I really don't have the answer to that question, and I'll tell you why. You see, Austin has a lot of explaining and a lot of apologizing to do before he comes back. Austin, when he walked out last Monday, it wasn't the first time he walked out on us. It happened once before the day after WrestleMania, when Austin packed his bag without notifying anyone. He simply packed his bag and went home. He was scheduled to be on Raw just as he was scheduled last Monday. Austin stayed home for approximately two weeks, claiming he was burned out. All right, we can understand being burned out. We all have been burned out from time to time. And given the enormous contributions that Austin made and has made to our company, all was forgiven. Two weeks later, Austin came back to work. Nonetheless, in my mind, Austin owes an apology for walking out to every superstar in that locker room. Austin owes an apology to the company he helped build. Austin owes an apology to each and every one of you for walking out on you. I don't know if Austin's ever gonna come back to action or not. I can think you can tell JR that the fans want him back. Last Monday, Austin was in town. He was scheduled to be on Raw, as I said. Any number of us attempted to speak to him, 
on his cell phone. He refused to take our calls until finally, after repeated attempts, Austin took one call. That was from that man right there. Austin's friend, Jim Ross. JR pleaded with Austin, since you're in town, don't walk, simply just come to the arena, sit down and discuss your grievances as a man. Austin didn't do that. JR's plea fell on deaf ears. And quite frankly, Austin's actions, both personally and professionally, are certainly uncharacteristic of the man we all know. Nonetheless, Austin, as an adult, should and will be held accountable. We have to move on as a company without Austin. And move on we will, we have to, we have no alternative. We'll develop new stars, new matches, new concepts, even this Sunday's King of the Ring winner will automatically face the champion at SummerSlam. Austin is gone, but clearly Stone Cold will never, ever be forgotten. I know that in Austin's heart, he wishes every superstar in the locker room well. He wishes all of you well. And I know Austin wishes even the company that he helped build well. So Steve, tonight, wherever you are, I'd like to say on behalf of all the superstars, some of whom are riding your coattails for the trailblazes you made. I'd like to say, Steve, to you, on behalf of the company that you helped build, on behalf, Steve, of every single fan that you entertained throughout the years all over the world, on behalf of all of us, Steve, I would simply like to say, Thank you. Thank you, Stone Cold. Thank you for the memories. If you heard all they got to say, you look but turn away, just walk away, walk away. If you said all you got to say, now you're Hello and welcome to June's episode of Wrestling 20 Years Ago. And it is I, Lacey, and I have brought along my good buddy, the swearing friend that I have to have with me every so often. Del, how the fuck are we all being? Thank you very much. This is kind of like the Hardys have reunited on TV. They're now also here in the fresh as well. But well, I mean, if it was two Matt Hardys, we would be. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon we get a few drinks and you might jump off something. Uh, I do also wear a very high thong. So. <laughs> so we are here to cover June, which is King of the Ring. But first, we have the news. Dell, give me a headline. 
biggest story of the month, Les. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin has apparently taken his ball and gone home. Austin walks. Yes, so as put by Vince McMahon himself, Austin has taken his ball and gone home. Austin walked out on the June the 10th episode of Raw, where he was meant to lose to Brock in the King of the Ring in the first round. He was replaced by Bubba Dudley in the show. There was a special episode of WF Confidential, which is a new show, which I haven't been able to see because it isn't shown over here, where Vince and JR open up about what has happened. Vince said he took his ball and went home and obviously I'm pissed off. I think this was the single most selfish act that Steve Williams, Stone Cold Steve Austin, could have ever done to world wrestling entertainment. McMahon goes on to explain how he'd heard about Austin's latest beef. I received a call about half ten on Sunday night from Jim Ross telling me that Steve Austin wasn't happy with the creative plan for the Raw on the, the Monday. I immediately called Austin's cell phone and told him no matter what hour it was, he got this message to call me. So it was about two o'clock in the morning when he called me. So that began my Monday. I went through the entire creative process with him and explained to him how this was good for him and good for the company. He said, all right, not that I need his approval, but it was important for the talent to buy into what it is that you're trying to do because they feel better about it as part of their creative process. That's what I tried to do. And that's what I thought I had done. Austin had no showed around mania for a couple of weeks, claiming that he was burnt out. Austin's gripes can be summarized rather simply. Austin had been upset with the creative direction of the WF for months. He felt his concerns weren't being adequately addressed. And despite report repeated attempts of on his part, he felt that he had given Vince McMahon enough chances to fix what's, what was wrong. He was fed up and decided to go home without any notice. He felt being asked to job to Brock Lesnar on Raw was akin to asking him giving up years of hard work building his credibility just to partake in a hastily thrown together hotshot angle that was conceived to make piss poor screenwriters safe face for extra week a week. He didn't want to be any part of it. And when he felt the games were being played by people with different agendas, he fucked off home. So what now for Austin? What do you reckon, Del? Piss poor screenwriters we were uh, coming to a follow-up news story in just a, a brief moment or two. Um, I don't know at the minute. I mean, they've not been shy in, in going for the gullet uh, on TV about getting them Steve Williams and getting him kind of taking a ball home and pissed off and even Jim Ross is getting peddled out to throw him under the bus and yep. I mean it's um it's pretty cutthroat and I mean whether this would listen we are talking two thousand and two here would this have happened in ninety nine would this have happened the last time even that he'd done it as recently as a few months ago I think I mean it's not I can see it for both points of view you can obviously see for a company point of view they are going to be pissed off because he was at one time not so distantly the cash cow 
obviously with the last couple of years of injuries and stories and the kind of turn last year for Mania, etc. I don't see it having quite the same impact as it maybe would have a few years ago, but you can see why they are pissed off with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comparison here that's maybe not immediately obvious. But uh, I mind watching an interview with Frank Skinner of all people one time lately. And he was talking about the the chat show getting moved to they were kind of record it on a Saturday and he's like, I admittedly see that my star is waning. There's little chance that I've got to kind of have my star power and say, no, I'm not taking it on a Saturday because I'm not going to get to see West Brom. So I made that stand. You can kind of see Austin's point of view where it's like, well, I can see that I'm on my way down, but I'm not just going to be getting through in TV matches to lose to a hot prospect with no build, with no pay-per-view. You can see that argument. Yeah. Whether instantly Brock Austin would be as big a draw as you would maybe see it being in a couple of years' time. But at the same point, is Austin going to have the same star power when Brock's managed to build his up? Um, I, I would have liked to see the match. I can see the benefits of it as Vince was somewhat haphazardly explaining it where it could have worked for Austin. I can agree with that. But I, I, I kind of see Steve's point and I think the way that the company's reacted to it if anything, it kind of just bolsters his argument that the way that they've just instantly dismissed him. Luckily, they have got somebody else that they could call in speed dial to kind of <laughs> replace the star power, as we'll come on to. But, um, but aye, it's very interesting to see where it's going to go. I think that at the minute, it's just kind of Vince, typical DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5, whatever one's the worst one, but it's like, right, fuck him. He's, he's away, just ignore him, just dismiss him. Yeah, it's one of those things with this one. It's like, I I can completely see why Austin was fucked off. Um, if you just look back, sort of, so last year he was the most important thing in pretty much every fucking storyline and every show and every pay-per-view. He comes out of Mania this year in a shit match with Scott Hall and even the build to that was just piss poor so since sort of february he's done fuck all but spun his wheels he then comes back and has the shit with flair being the owner of raw but being sort of switching between can he trust him can he not trust him is he being a dick is he not being a dick you then get the oh we're gonna have a match which is the the first week of, of rules tv for this month where if he wins, he's or if he loses, he was going to be Flair's slave and all this sort the of The old shit. Uh, main event, Deborah <clears throat> McMichael, Stacey Carter, Johnny Laura feud, eh? just bump it up to the main card, you can be my bitch. Yeah, and it's it's just that sort of thing. It's like, I can see exactly why Austin's like, what the fuck are you doing with me? Yes, poor screenwriters, Lacey, they need exactly. to get somebody in. But, and... The other thing is, like, if you're gonna, because clearly Brock it, was gonna win the was gonna win the King of the Ring, which spoilers, he wins the King of the Ring. Um, does it do any good for Austin to lose to Brock in a first round TV match? Because you you look at some of the other people that are in the King of the Ring at that point: X Pac, Goldust, Booker T, Regal, Val Venus, Christian. Um, 
Bubba obviously gets put in. Eddie Guerrero, RVD, Test, Hurricane, Tajiri and Hardcore Holly. Steve Austin is not like any of these. Listen, I know it was going to be a tough run for him, but I'm pretty sure they could have eaten by Gregory Helms. Just with <laughs> a bit of luck, he could have won that one. Please. Don't put him down. <laughs> but it's the thing, you look, you look at the field who, who was named for the King of the Ring, and you're putting Austin in there. He doesn't fit with everyone else that's in that. It's not like you're pulling out all the big names for a star-studded King of the Ring tournament here. It is the also rounds. It's the the mid card. You know, the only other person that's of a sort of similar level to where Austin is would be Jericho, just because Jericho was the first champion. And he was a champion in December, but everyone else is of that middle card, upper middle card at a push level not austin level so i can see why he was fucked off with it um do we see austin coming back wrestling's wrestling never say never but is this one of those of where this is that that bridge too far and he is done or does vince have to come back groveling a little bit and coming back with a story that and creative that actually makes him want to to even bother because I can guarantee Austin's made his money over the past few years. I can see him coming in, but obviously the the instant reaction to any wrestling promoter, let alone Vince, is going to be you're not coming in at the level that you were at. You need to work your way back to it. He's not working his way back to a main event anywhere. He's not working his way back up to the man anymore. He wasn't that before he fucked off. So if you're him and you're sitting in some, I just imagine he sits in some kind of ranch somewhere. But um, if you're sitting there having a few Steve Weisers, watching the telly of a Monday evening, can you see him wanting to come back to fight? No offence. Your Christians, your tests, and having to work his way back up, doing no. double shots at a weekend and doing the I mean it, it sounds like a stupid thing but even just imagine the the travel with that kind of knee and that kind of neck and having to put in the blood and guts just to get back to a listen you keep your nose clean for six nine months you could be having the rematch with big Scott Hall at 19 yeah I mean is he really going to be really going to be putting the miles in for that plus you don't know what kind of suspension or what kind of Fines are going to be involved. At I don't know. I think he might be hoping for the hoping for the kind of nostalgia on maybe get six months off TV if the ratings kind of slide a wee bit. Then maybe bring him in for a a rumble spot or something. I think he might be hoping for the weekend a the weekend a legends run a la maybe like a Jake ninety six or something like that where he just comes in and does a couple of months up to a mania or something. I don't know. But um, at the minute, it's not looking good the way that they're throwing them under the bus. Yeah, as I said, I've never seen the Fed, even with the Brett screwed Brett shit a few years ago, drop a real name. Yeah. That that was the the thing that got me with, with obviously what I've read from the confidential stuff, as I said, I haven't seen it. But they they called him Steve Williams. Williams. You know, he's not he's it's Steve Williams or Steve Williams who is 
also known as Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, Brett Screwed Brett was Bret Hart Screwed Bret Hart. Yes, it's his real name, but it was his wrestling character. You know, it's always been, you know, don't expose the real human behind the thing. But I suppose this is good in one way for people around there because if he's if he's there with a shitty attitude um best him not being there i suppose in one way but yeah i i would imagine this isn't the last we've seen of stone cold um as i said i i wouldn't be surprised if he's back at the end of the year beginning of next year maybe even come back at the rumble um you know, give him six months to rest up, give him six months to f- fix that broken downness that he's been. Because, you know, he he has hit it hard for many, many years and had a fair few fairly bad injuries. If you sort of go back to 97 with the SummerSlam match where he broke his neck with Owen Hart, you know, he was still quote-unquote working during that where obviously he wasn't having matches but he was in every segment and doing shit. So maybe having some extended time off where it's not due to a surgery, but he can just drink, hunt, ride ATVs around, might do him the world of good. And who would have put money on unless you're talking about maybe a six, three, six months rest and recuperation period. Looking back, three, six months, we were talking about Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan coming in, and it's Austin that's turned into the locker room cancer. I but know. Who would, have, who would have put money on that with the new world order coming in? <laughs> but, uh, something that we did mention there, those we would maybe see Steve coming in later on in the year, starting next year after ratings were to fall. Apparently, we don't need to wait that long for that list because uh, it's safe to say the old wrestling might be on the way down. Yeah, so numbers of viewers in the US, because we're only going by US because they have this rating figures that are recorded and put in the, the wrestling press. Viewership has halved since 2000, so in a two-year period, the average rating has dropped from a six-point average down to a three-point average. So half as many houses in the States are watching wrestling. Um, yeah, I can see why. The, you know, the show's not as high entertainment as it was during the Monday Night Wars and sort of seems to be there wasn't as much to prove but you know with with these sort of things they they ebb and flow I remember the mid 90s when the numbers were right in the shitter and then a few years later we had the attitude era I think you'll find from the pre-video the King of the Ring, Lacey, the mid-90s never happened. I'll have you know Owen Hart won the King of the Ring in 94 and the next one was in 96 with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So clearly 1995 didn't happen in New York. Exactly. But, um, but no, I must admit, when I first read this, because I'll be on, honest, I'm, I'm too tight to subscribe to Dave Meltzer, so I just wait for you to fax over your copy at the month end. And uh, when I read this to start with, I thought it was WWF numbers that were doing for a six to a three. And I'm like, so what, they've halved and WCW have disappeared. So there's like a quarter of people watching, but no, this is wrestling overall as went for like a six to a, to a three, which does, I suppose, make it slightly better. But it is worrying when you see about 
well, what else can they can they do? I mean, they've brought in the NWO at the very end of this month. We see them hyping a, a brief package for Rey Mysterio Jr. coming in. And I mean, there isn't really a lot of names there. If you've got Scott Hall already falling off the wagon, if rumours have not led to believe Austin's disappearing, Rocky's obviously half half Connecticut, half Los Angeles at the minute. And, well, what else can they what else can they do to get these numbers up? And as you say, it might just be a case that it's kind of cyclical, it could be seasonal. We are talking about these numbers dropping to a three within the last month, the famous post WrestleMania lull. But at the same time, it's point, been it's been the last sort of I, it's been since Mania, it's been a pretty much a steady around the three. Aye, and I mean it's 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 like a two year average. We're talking twenty four months here, and obviously look back two year when you're talking two thousand and the radicals are coming in and Jericho and Show and WCW still kind of no bubbling, but it's still there. ECW's probably doing some of the best stuff that they've done. Um, two thousand, but it's it's worrying overall where the not just the company's gone, but where the business is going, and uh, if they can even. Um, Win a fight with a panda, Lacey. It doesn't suggest we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be winning any battles with ratings either, because we have a follow up on that from the last couple of months as well. Yeah. So the WWE has lost its final appeal for the rights to use of the WWF name. Um, so on June the seventeenth, British Tops Court ruled that the World World Wildlife Fund owns the rights to the WWF initials. The ruling by the House of Lords upholds the High Court's ruling that banned the WWE from using the initials. Obviously, WWE didn't have high hopes about winning the appeal, as evidence in recent changes from to the world wrestling entertainment. And prior to the ruling coming out, the company had already changed its name legally on the stock market from World Wrestling Federation Inc. to World Wrestling Entertainment Inc. So, yeah, that is the final nail. We have got to get used to it, calling it WWE, and it will not be the WWF anymore. <laughs> this is going to be so hard to get used to if we call it the WWF to WWE. We're kind of all turning into Bret Hart at the minute for it's the WCW. And it's, <laughs> we just can't get used to drop. We need to drop the F, but we also need to drop the V, and it's quite confusing. But uh, it's not all. it's not all bad news. Lacey, we have uh, one final headline, and there's been a a couple of departures on screen, but there has been a return off screen, Lacey. Tell everyone the fabulous news that is going to get this three back to a six. So as I've put the headline for this, and finally, for fuck's sake, Vince Russo, Captain Shitstain, dickhead, arsehole, the perpetrator of multitudes of shit and the reason we have a Russo award in our end of years has been rehired by Vince McMahon to oversee creative for both Raw and Smackdown Russo has had his name, his role as a consultant so he's not actually head of creative, he's not you know, the one making the final decisions but he has been hired back to help write the show. As we'll, as we'll come on in the King of the Ring review later, less, I had my doubts about this when I seen how the lassies were being booked. And I thought, nah, 
It's just a coincidence, mate. They wouldn't hire this dick back. But apparently when the old facsimile comes through from the Observer, alas, it was actually true. Um, you hear when people are doing in hard times that they'll clutch on the end. <laughs> apparently Vince is at that stage where <laughs> he thinks he's, he's having the meeting in the office with the higher-ups after the Germany house show aired and He's just throwing the magazine down in the table and this is what we need. This is the kind of ideas that we need. <laughs> and it's like, there was an experiment. It was kind of like the old territory days where if somebody was starting to burn out, you would send them away, you would put them down to Florida, you would put them out of Amarillo, you send them somewhere to give them a couple of months away from your house, see how they get on. And then you can bring them back in when they're reinvigorated. It's like, did they not learn anything when they said this tip down to Atlanta <laughs> about what actually happens when he's let go after the leash? But clearly Vince has thought, no song. He's fucking he's I missed him. He's he's where the money was. Yeah, so if next month we start getting fucking porno mag on a pole match for the fucking the Divas, we know exactly where that fuck has come from. I know there's some issues with the contracts coming out of Atlanta where some of these people are tied up with Time Warner. Is Judy Bagwell available? <laughs> Though Buff won't fucking be there, and I'm pretty sure after Judy phoning up JR and saying Buff can't come to come to work today, he's got a, he's got a little boo-boo. I'm pretty sure she's probably blacklisted as well. Oh, fame by association. <laughs> but it's all right. I've got every I've got every belief in Vincent. He's gonna come in and he's just gonna work his vicious ways and get his back to the glory days. So bro everything. Bro, 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 bro. Boobs, bro. So we will quickly run through TV through to the pay-per-view. Um basically just so I can tell you how what happened where on the King of the Ring running um so we started the month with x puck beating gold dust in the king of the ring and booker t beating regal the only other real talk report from this first raw was the nwo has a new member hbk on smackdown uh we saw val venus beat christian in the king of the ring and we saw that edge was meant to be going against jericho but Edge was injured and Jericho got a bye and Triple H beat Hogan to become the number one contender for King of the Ring for the world title. Second Raw was the Raw that Austin no-showed. Um, HBK kicks Booker out of the NWO and uh, we saw RVD beat Eddie Guerrero and Brock beat Bubba Ray Dudley in the King of the Ring qualifiers and Vince beat Ric Flair for complete ownership of the WWE. Can I just stop you there, Les? I'm yes. just marking up my Russo bingo card here. We've got four white men dismiss one black man from the group, right? I'm ready for the next number. Test <laughs> <laughs> uh, beat Hurricane and Hardcore Holly beat Tajiri in the King of the Ring on SmackDown. And going into the last week of TV prize of the pay-per-view, we had the quarterfinals of the King of the Ring, which saw RVD beat X-Puck and Brock beat Booker T. 
and we had a return of the quick press the red flashy button fuck we need something of the rock which i will play that audio now the he you kept talking about is not stone cold then who the hell is the he you were talking about surprise were you not expecting the rock were you expecting steve austin did you think that steve austin was just gonna walk down that ramp is that what you thought as a matter of fact it doesn't matter what you Because you see, what you're bound to realize, it was not Stone Cold Steve Austin that came walking down that ramp. No, no, no. It was a living full Brahma bull. Jabroni eating, pie beating, eating. The Rock says he's walking fast, whooping ass. People chant The Rock. And 
Argentina is a rock as a people's champ, and he came out here to address the people and only the people. You've got 15 seconds to get out of this ring starting now. One. Sounds to me like. Oh, and before you leave, take this with you. Oh, look out! Look out. Oh. Well, was Mr. McMahon took exit from his own ring. What do you expect? And we all know The Rock is supposed to be on SmackDown. We all know that The Rock wasn't supposed to return until next month. But considering what happened last week, The Rock will be damned if he didn't come here the very first opportunity he had and speak to each and every single one of you live. We did live. Anything can happen. Okay, five years ago when The Rock first walked into this company, he had one idea, one idea, and that idea was really simple, and that was just to become the absolute best this industry has ever seen. And I will continue to work my ass off to make sure that happens. Because you see, The Rock says this, that's the very same passion, that very same fire that I have in my eyes is the very same fire that I see every time I walk in the back of that locker room. Every single time. I walk into a Raw locker room. Every single time I step into a SmackDown locker room, all those guys are here because they want to be here. That's right. Everyone on SmackDown, all those guys on SmackDown, they are there because they want to be there. They get in this ring, they bust their ass, you love them for that, and they do it because they love to do it. We gotta love it. So The Rock says this, if there is anybody in the back, I swear to God, I honestly mean this, if there's anybody in the back that does not want to be with this company, if there's anyone in SmackDown that does not want to be with this company, then just like the slogan says, you get the F out. Oh, man! Oh. Get the F out, JR! Rocket's on a roll! And you see, Vince McMahon, if you're really serious about moving on, well, The Rock will do you one better. Not only does The Rock want to move on, but he wants to move up. So The Rock will tell you what, The Rock is scheduled to return July 11th on SmackDown, but guess what? News flash change of plans. This Sunday, The Rock, King of the Ring. What? Oh, God, The Rock! The Rock is the King of the Ring, King! Once again, this Sunday, The Rock, back to the King of the Ring! You see, it's really simple. I've got WWE in my blood. The Rock was born WWE. The Rock goes back history with the WWE. Which, you know, it's really simple, it's like this. 50 years from now, when The Rock is 80 years old, when The Rock has to put in the people's dentures, he's gotta use the people's walker to come walking down that ramp, just like that. The Rock will still step right in the middle of this ring and say, just ring it. 
The Rock has WWE in his blood. From his late grandfather, my grandfather, the late high chief Peter Maivia, who started his career right here in the Bay Area. To my dad, my dad's soul man, Rocky Johnson, all the way down to the most electrifying man in sports and entertainment. The fact of the matter is this. Austin can take his ball and go home. But as far as The Rock is concerned, as far as I'm concerned, this, this is home. And on the SmackDown, before we go into the pay-per-view, Jericho beat Val Venus and Test beat Hardcore Holly to qualify for the King of the Ring semis. So we will go into the King of the Ring and Dell, regale me with the outcomes of these evenings entertainment. I will indeed. Les, we started off on Sunday night. Heat was the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff. They beat Raven and Stephen Richards. First match, King of the Ring semi, we've got Rob Van Dam going over Chris Jericho and Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman beating Test. For the Cruiserweight title with Jamie Noble, when Nidia beat the Hurricane and is now the new Cruiserweight champion. Ric Flair beat Eddie Guerrero. The Women's Championship, Molly Holly defeated Trish Stratus to become the new champion. Kurt Angle beat Hollywood Hogan. That was by submission of all finishes. And in the final of the King of the Ring with Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman again, defeating Rob Van Dam and is now the new King of the Ring, but will also get a WWE, WWF, WWE undisputed championship match at SummerSlam. And in the main event, Undertaker, WWE champion, beat Triple H. So before we go through everything, what were your initial overall thoughts? Looking at the cut, I mean, it's a good format, King of the Ring. We've seen it before, where if you've got the right people, you've got the right winner, which, as you say, spoiler, Brock wins. If you've got the right champion, if you've got the right kind of set up of the bracket, there's there's some of these where you end up. I mean, Bobby Bamber was always one for the four Savio Vega matches in the one night that just killed <laughs> killed the process. But the, the way that they worked it over the qualifiers on TV, you're only really getting the two semis and then the the final, it gives them a chance to kind of get their shit in, but also not be overworked. You had a couple of title matches in there, you had a couple of title changes in there, you had a couple of legends in there, and you had a solid enough if expected main event. I thought it's a good show, it's a good format, but they also worked it to their favour. I thought it was... Pretty good going in, and some of the matches delivered as well, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely one for having just the semis and the final at the pay per view, because um, obviously you look at some of those earlier King of the Rings, where as you say, Savio being in fucking four matches in one night. Um, the first one where Brett he was done after the first two matches, and then sort of dragged himself through. The final. Um, so unless they're going to have really short quali- uh, those quarterfinals stuff, it, it means that it does then mean that the semis can be a bit longer. Um, you can have a better match um, quality for the semifinals and the finals because they're only working two at the most. 
Um, but yeah, I am much more of a fan of this this way of doing it instead of the older way of let's have the whole tournament on the night. Mm-hmm. So we will go into the opening contest of the evening, which was the semi-final between RVD and Chris Jericho. We start the match with some chain wrestling and they are working the arms and then they both block each other's moves and we get some more chain wrestling and more move blocking until we get to a stalemate. RVD with some kicks, monkey flip and a spinning leg drop, which gets a two. Jericho with some forearms, punches and a back kick, but misses his corner drop drop kick. RVD out with a plancher and then back in the ring with a top rope sidekick. Jericho kicks the ref into RVD, which crotches him on the top rope. Then there's a double superplex, which gets a two for Jericho. And Jericho then carries on with the beatdown. He then goes off to take the corner pad off. And the ref misses this as RVD tries to go for a roll-up. Jericho then hits his version of the stroke, which gets a two. Choke with the wrist tape. Surfboard. RVD battles his way out. Jericho then posts himself, RVD in with an array of kicks, rolling thunder, which gets a two. Jericho with some punches and a German that gets a two. RVD with a stun gun and a split leg moonsault, which gets a two. Shoulder blocks. Jericho goes to the wills of Jericho on. RVD manages to turn that into a pin, which gets a two. RVD goes head first into the exposed turnbuckle, which only gets a two. Jericho misses the lion salt. RVD with a spin kick, but misses the five star. Jericho then hits the lion salt, but only gets a two. Puts on the walls again, but RVD gets to a rope break. RVD is posted. They go up top. Jericho crotches himself, falls down, and RVD hits the five star for the win. Post-match, Jericho beats down RVD and then puts him into the walls of Jericho. Dell, what do you think of this match, my boy? Brilliant start, and that's just what you want. You want the Rockers in the 80s, you want one, two, three kid or something in the 90s, you want the Hardys in the 2000s. You start off with, with a fast match, you get the crowd in there, they like Rob Van Dam. Jericho's obviously got a bit more uh, prestige these days than he used to have. I mean, you could maybe make the argument about the full Jericho experiment where he's beaten Austin and Rob in the one night, and now he's opening up the King of the Ring with a defeat. But it's um as good a way as any to start it. This is one of the few things that WCW done well when they had that first hour of Nitro with the the cruisers coming out and getting folks somebody different. And you're not really going to get two better for the ages of them, two better styles and two better competitors than than Van Damme and Jericho to start off a start off a show because they've got the kind of almost like the poster boy looks. They've got the um, kind of, you know, I mean, they've got that kind of knack about them. Where they can just start a show off. Well, there's there's and, that pace, isn't there, to it? And there's, you know, it's it is action. It is you, you're not starting it slow. You you you're going and you're getting high octane, flashy flashy moves. You know, you know what you get with RBD. You're gonna get his kicks. You're gonna get the rolling funders. You're gonna get the the spinning leg drop you you know what you're going to get and Jericho is a really good base for that and the thing is Jericho also has his not so flashy but his style is very similar to RVD in that so they sort of meld so well together that that is the perfect 
we're getting this show started off. And it's what you want because there's you know what it's like, especially with these King of the Ring matches when you don't know what you're getting into a show with, and there's nothing worse than like a lumbering slow match and it just it, it just puts the show on an instant downer. But um but as I say they started this off really well and as you say, we get in it just into the semis and the in the show, it means that you're actually going to be getting decent level matches as well. And I thought the two of them done really well for a first match. And as I say, there's there's maybe doubts about um Jericho's experiment with really, the undisputed thing. It's it's nice to actually just get a decent match to start a show. And it, for me it certainly worked as a viewer. I don't know how it was in the in the crowd, but it, it genuinely worked for me to actually get me into the show. I thought it was just as, as good a start as you could imagine. Yeah, it's it's as I said, it's what you want to kick off a show and go. Yes, right, we're we're gonna have some fun tonight. Um, so we go into the second semi-final, which is the complete polar opposite of what we've just seen, with Brock Lesnar and Test. Um, so they start with some staggering, as I'd like to call it, where they just basically collar and elbow and pushing each other around the ring. Brock then hits some smash shoulders and then into the corner. Test hits a clothesline but misses the big boot. Some punches and boots. Brock hits a spine buster, elbows and a back suplex, which gets a two. Backbreaker and then into a power slam for a two. They then just exchange fucking hits. Test hits a sidewalk slam and a corner clothesline and a full Nelson slam, which gets a two. Goes for the pump handle, but is blocked, but hits a second one, which goes for a two. Big Boot gets a two. Heyman comes in with the distraction. Brock hits the F5 and gets the win. Big lad slapping me. Heyman fucking outside the ring was amazing. Yeah, big lads hitting each other. I can do that. What I said before about the high flying start to it, with like Jericho still Van Damme still, this is like a polar opposite. But I get, I think it's one of the other things that made this show work for me is like you open it up with that flash style and the kind of speed, the athleticism, the high flying, the counters, as you said, even started off with some chain wrestling. And then you go into this. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not usually a big fan of the full, what is it, they call them horse fights. But this was brutal. This was brilliant. It's like you see, like Test has got a bit of a, almost like a, a chip in the shoulder where he had that story with Stephanie. He's then getting thrown into things with like Stacy, and it's just been quite a quite a, a kind of sharp downturn for him. But then he gets a chance to go up against the new big kind of Aryan built monster that's kind of in that in that position with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, and you can just see that they're building this boy up as the next one. Now. And it's like, no, I, I was that guy. You're no fucking... And they just go for it with each other, but in a really good, believable way. You've got Heyman out there, as you say, that's really kind of relishing getting back to this kind of on-air talent, but like the primal... What is it they call him now? Is it a sports agent or something? He's got yeah, another, he's agent. Is. He's, got, um, he's got his other new title for that, where he used to be, what was it, the executive or whatever it was, with the, the Dangerous Alliance. He's, he's kind of reinvented that that Bobby Heenan role again. Um, you can. It's a really strange, especially when I use the word Aryan for Brock, and then you've got Paul the Jew, and the outside. it just really balances it well with the two of them. Test, Test brought it. 
and it's something that I've not seen for a couple of years. But I liked him when he came in with the full thing. Was it was it Motley Crue or whatever it was? He came in yeah. as a Cody, and I I quite liked him. I also hear Mark Billy going to move on from King of the Ring ironically a couple of years ago and thought he was going to be the next big thing. So it shows what I know. But I always thought Test was all right. And um, but not if at you all. think back when like the invasion shit was going on, he was heavily pushed. Of course he was during the invasion because obviously he was yeah. the one. He was the first one that sort of flipped over, wasn't he? Because yeah. he was made to a shame. And then he was in the tag title run against Taker and Kane. Just don't Intercontinental fucking immunity battle royal. I was fucking fed up listening <laughs> to fucking. And you still hear of it. Oh, I test immune, King test immune. <laughs> like, I don't care. But no, he was man. He was he was really getting getting that done. And I mean, it never worked obviously. But I, I still it fell off a cliff quickly. Uh, there's something there. I mean, I think this is like the perfect spot for him when he's getting in there with the other the other big fella, and they just it was like pure seven shades of shit stuff. With the two of them, there was, I mean, you mentioned it in the run, doing that boot to Brock, he hits, I mean, how many times do you see big boots, especially now that Hogan's back on TV pretty much every week and almost wrestling every week as well, and you see these big, they just kind of run into the boot and they fall down and the leg doesn't move, Test fucking nearly broke his jaw <laughs> with that big boot, and Brock just fucking soldiered on, mate, he's got a fucking good chin on him. Uh, no, I just thought it was right, and especially with that clashy styles. I just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not actually promoting this fucking event or this company, but to have that first semi main event, the semi uh, final with the the King of the Ring, with the tie fly and kind of flashy stuff, then the big, um, the big horse battle. You see the two different styles, and now in the final, you're going to see what ones the the best of the styles as well and I just think that they've really done it masterfully here. You can clearly tell that Vince Russo is back and he's a booking, <laughs> he's a booking genius let's say. I, I would not say Vince Russo had fucking anything to do with that um, you know letting two big lads hit each other. I think Heyman probably would have uh, had more to do with it than Russo. Uh, so we follow that with our well there was a little bit of backstage of the coach going to the Raw and SmackDown guys to find out who they thought were going to win. But, yeah, whatever. Um, so we have the Cruiserweight title match, which sees the Hurricane defending his title against Jamie Noble, who some of you may remember as Noble as Jamie's son from the Young Dragons. This opens up with some chain wrestling, um, both working holds, and that is until Noble gets in the boots. Helms with an elbows and hits a shining wizard. And then a super kick, which gets a two. Uh, triangle head scissors. Nidia tries to grab Helms, but misses. And Helms goes outside, chases her, gets blindsided by Noble. Noble back in charge with some rope chokes and a really nice snap suplex, which gets a two. The abdominal stretch and a back suplex for a two. Helms with a top rope cross body, which gets a two. Uh, Noble hits an electric chair drop that gets a two. Helms with a cross neck breaker. Noble then puts in a sleeper. Helms battles his way out, gets a neck breaker, a clothesline, and the blockbuster, which gets a two. Noble with a German for a two. Helms hits the eye of the hurricane, but only gets a two. 
Noble's outside. Helms goes off the top rope to a crossbody to the floor. They then both back into the up top on the ring and Helms hits a super neck breaker. Nidia distracts the referee, so there was no count. Helms hits a choke slam, but only gets a two. Noble crotches Helms off the top rope, hits a powerbomb and gets the win. This, for a cruiserweight match, was some really fucking good wrestling. There was a few flyy moments, but this wasn't your classic WCW cruiserweight flipty flies and flipty doos everywhere. This was some good actual proper wrestling and I loved it. I'm very sorry to disagree with you, Lace, or even just make a counterpoint here, but I'm just marking up my Russo bingo card. We have a cruiserweight match, crowbar down female who has to act like a whore. There we go. I'm just waiting on the one number now, Lace. Let's see if it comes up later in the show. But um, no, actual match, brilliant. Um, don't really know Jamie Noble that well. I kind of dip in and out of the wrestling these days. Didn't really know that much about him coming in. The full, the full hurricane thing. I'm kind of, I'm very ooh and ah. Where for it, some of it is kind of funny. But then at the same point, when it gets into the wrestling, he's kind of just to become a wrestler. But as you say, for an actual match, it was actually really good. I don't know whether it's, again, just that kind of style thing, like coming off the, the first match and then into the second, where they were poor opposites, and then you're back again to this wheel at the Cruisers. But it's kind of like that, that anomaly way with the King of the Ring format, where it's like, well, you've got the King of the Ring matches, but then how do you differentiate that? With what else is in the what else is in the show, and this was a really good palate cleanser for me. For it takes away for the last match that was big and brawling, and then you've got the cruisers coming in there, and as you say, it wasn't just there for the sake of having the the cruisers on the show that they so often times do with the with the lassies on the show. I just thought it worked really really well, and for the time that they got as well. It was a fucking it was a really good match. Like you seen what was the match years ago where they had them. Um, I can't, was it fucking, was it Kidman? I can't even, there was one match where mine famously, they put it out first, and it, but it was Alex Wright, actually. They put it out and just gave it hundreds of time, thinking let's just fucking show him up on TV, but they'd done really well with it. And this was similar, where they had that much time, and there was some notable matches in this show that didn't get as much time as this one. But they still done really, really well with it. Um, and as you say, it, it really just gave me a bit of surprise. I really don't know much about Noble, but I, I kind of like the full hang with him and this lassie for tough enough. I think the two of them, they actually really work quite well. And Jamie <laughs> Noble's just funny. So it's just the, the, the size of him and then that voice that comes at him and the way that he talks. and It just works. And I'm, I'm very much, <laughs> in case you can't tell, Mr. Russo here. But um, I'm very much a fan of the character stuff, and he just nails it. You just throw him out there, and he, he comes away with but he can deliver in the matches as well, which is obviously what, what pays the bills. And as you say, it was just a really, really good match and really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I'm Jamie Noble, boy. <laughs> full, full fucking trailer park trash character. It's like, I wouldn't put it past this. This one might be a Russo. You think? I think. I think. Maybe I just Rachel. Rachel stereotype. 
Niddy, I might be. And I'm not even mentioning the race thing. I've already touched on that. I've done my one for the night. I can't do any more on Russell. So we follow that with Flair versus Guerrero. Um, Eddie comes in with some shoulder blocks and then Flair with one of his own. Eddie with a drop kick and Flair with chops. Eddie punches and then we get a chop battle. Flair's goes full cheating with punches and low blows. More big chops. Eddie takes advantage. Flair then with a suplex. Eddie with a low drop kick and then puts the boots in and works the leg. Posting the leg and then puts on the figure four. This gets broken by a rope, broke, a rope break even. Uh, Eddie then puts some punches and a neck snap. And we get a second chop battle where Flair wins. Obviously, it's a chop battle. Flair has to win. Eddie then with a the backdrop is to the floor. Eddie with a suplex then goes for the frog splash but misses. Flair hits a chop block and works the leg. At this point, Chris Benoit comes out. Flair has the figure four on. A roll-up attempt and a few pin attempts and chain pins that all get twos. Eddie with a tornado DDT that gets a two. Benoit then attacks Flair outside, where we then see, coming from the crowd, Bubba Dudley hitting a Bubba bomb on Eddie. Benoit chases him out of the arena. Flair crawls his way in and gets the win. This was fairly standard Flair fare. But I don't get the Bubba running. Mm. You can see the instant, uh, the instant swap here where we've got, listen, we're not fucking bother here. We've lost Steve. What are we going to do? Can we, can we phone Rock Rock's busy with Hollywood and that? I don't know whether we would be able to get him to, to do anything physical. Uh, Hunter's tied up with the belt, Taker's the champion. What's, what's Bubba doing? Get Bubba Dudley. Phone Bubba quick. Page him. Get him in here. It's like, I don't really, you can see what, I mean, they tried this with Matt and Jeff to very limited results. I mean, Jeff done no bad out of it, but Matt's, Matt's struggling. Same with, with Edge and Christian, for Edge kind of get that. He's had obviously the injuries and things, but he's really been here, Matt and Christian's kind of stuck with Lance Storm and that. Bubba and Devon. Reverend really, Devon. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> he's a minister of the church now uh, forgive me lord but um i uh, can you really see anything i mean spikes get his kind of wee niche that he's managed to carve out with the under undercard but bob andy especially if you're going to be putting him in here with like flair and even eddie i mean i know eddie's really popular right and eddie's a, a, a folk think he's a brilliant wrestler and he's kind of funny where he's got loads of charisma and things like that I'll be honest, see last, well, not last year, it's 2002, see a couple of years ago when they came in. In fact, no, it was 2001, when I was running about the Rumble last year, wasn't it, they four came in? No, it was the year before. Was it 2002? Yeah. Um, when they came in, Eddie, I'm, I'm really sorry, because this isn't going to make me popular, Eddie was my least favourite. <laughs> I don't know what it is, I've just never took to Eddie Guerrero, right? I'm really listen. We can go back nearly ten years, and we were looking at him with Art Bar. Yeah, I've always known him. I've just never been the biggest fan. I think he's all right. I think it's just because he gets that much fanfare. I'm like, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm I'm kind of starting to get Eddie Guerrero, and there was a an interview that he'd done before this, 
and he's doing all the shout outs to his kids and his kids' kids and his adopted kids and his nieces and his ne- and it was really funny. And he used to get this quite a lot with Roddy Piper for folk would think he's really, really funny. And I'm just like, I, I don't get it. But I'm kind of getting Eddie Guerrero now. And you stick him in the in the ring and he is, he is fucking good, to be fair. I mean, I don't know whether he's... Something seems a bit off with him now. I don't, I'm not going to cast aspersions, but something doesn't seem quite right at the minute. But even at that, dare I say, at that kind of regal... Can I stick like with mine, Steve Regal? It looked quite 98, 99, and he wasn't quite on the level, but he could still pull it out. He could still get it out of people. Obviously, he's in there with Ric Flair. I mean, it's how bad it's going to be. <laughs> but it was, I think, that a word that we always go back to, and it's a word that you're quite a fan of solid. I mean, it wasn't anything. Spectacular! You're, you're seeing Ric Flair, you're seeing Eddie Guerrero. You kind of know what you're going to get, but for a mid card match with a questionable build, I'd say it's probably a diplomatic way to put it. I thought it was pretty decent, and as I say, if it, it's at least starting me on being a fan of Eddie Guerrero, then I suppose it can't be a can be a bad thing. But as I say, it's still a decent enough match. Yeah, it's it's said Flair is very much limited to what he can do. So with any match that involves Flair, you are limited to what Flair can do. Um, and Flair does Flair shit. You know, that that's what Flair's been doing since, what, fucking 98. Flair's matches are pretty much copy and paste, change a few moves to whoever he's in the ring with for what they do, but Flair will do Flair shit. So, you know, Eddie is in this was limited to what he can show off and do. Um, you know, obviously, if you're going about Eddie and his amazingness, you look at that match with Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc. And, or even, as I said, as you've already said, when you go back to that match with Art Bar that we watched with oh, the best, uh, best three tag match, or even his stuff in ECW with uh, Ben Mara Malenko. Yeah, you know, so he's always been one of those that you you know that you're going to get a high level of match out of. Um, but yeah, it's just character stuff of him I've never got on board with. Um, well, I know what it was that done me. The Mamacita stuff just killed it for me with Johnny. Nah, sorry. But yeah, as it said, I, I like the fact that he's angry and pissed off. You know, it makes him a little bit different to, to some of the people that are, are about at the minute because there is a sort of base level of just everyone's sort of the same at the minute. So, yeah, I said, you know what you're going to get in the ring with him. I don't get this feud. I don't understand why they have this feud. Just because Stone Cold fucked off, they went, oh, shit, uh, Flair and Guerrero, go. But, you know, it was a decent match. Solid. Maybe that's why Bubba's been slid in because they need to get. Uh, it all makes sense now. It's coming together like Deadly Games 1998. Like he's done it again. <laughs> so we follow that with our women's title match, which sees Trish going against Molly Holly. Molly with a jump start and a slam that gets a two. Backdrop and a hair whip for a two. An arm bar and beats down on Trish. Trish manages to get a victory roll for a two. 
a neck breaker and a quick roll up for a two. Molly with a drop toe hold onto the ropes. Then they go outside. Molly with beating her down. Back into the ring. Trish hits a head kick. Molly then gets crotched and the headstand leg scissors. Chops, clotheslines, drop kick and a head kick by Trish. Molly hits a German that gets a two but misses the Molly around. Trish with a roll up but it's reversed with a grab of the tights for the win with our new champion being Molly Holly. I really enjoy watching Molly because Molly is a fucking good wrestler. And this is helping Trish being in there with Molly because Trish is having to up her game to match Molly. Um, Solid women's match. Which is quite high praise compared to what we have seen from some of the women's matches and especially the TV level of of women's match that we're getting. So, yeah, I liked it. I have a very big announcement, Lace. We have a women's feud booked and one of them has to have a fat arse. <laughs> I have a house, Lacey. That, that, I don't think that's a full house yet, is it? That's just corners. No, that's that's me. I've got Russell Bingo. It has came up. You have to book one of the divas to have a fat arse because that's how you book a feud. <laughs> He's came up trumps. But, um, but no, it's true what you say, man. It's uh, Molly or Nora, whatever you want to call her, Mighty Molly. She's one of the kind of unsung heroes of this division where she kind of just gets on with her business. She's no out there with a thong pulled up to her ribs. She's no there with a top pulled down to her navel. She's no out there with a bleach. Well, she did have bleach blonde hair, to be fair, but you know what I mean. She's never exactly going to be the front cover of Maxim magazine. But um, I don't think Hefner's going to be on the phone to get her into the next... I mean, oh God, we've already had Sable, we've already had China. Get Nora on the phone, we're going to put Molly on the, the centrefold. She's no that kind of style of diva that they seem to be obsessed with these days, but she kind of just gets on with her business and she's really good with the character stuff, whether it's this fucking terrible shit. We're like, oh, she's got a big bum. One, <laughs> isn't he? And I'm quite an aficionado of the larger lady. I know a big arse when I see it. And Freddie Mercury wasn't singing about Molly Holly when he put her on a bicycle. And uh, it's... I don't really get that kind of side of it, but it is true what you say about Trish as well, where if you look at her when she came in, with like the, the fitness model stuff and some of the... I mean, Trish Stratus is a, is a good character and she's coming on, but some of the stuff that she was starting with was terrible. And the, the evolution of her, especially when you see her with like a Molly Holly, it is really good to see. And it's also nice to see her get her, get her flowers will it get in this win with the belt and things like that and getting the story and getting the attention. It's nice to see somebody like Molly Holly actually succeeding. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hide the fact that when there was all the stuff with, I think it was the last time I was on it, so the stuff with Spike Dudley, I thought it was brilliant kind of story stuff. Yeah. And it's nice to see her actually getting her, as I say, getting her flowers, getting her praise with, with this going on. Um, and you say for an actual match, listen, it wasn't it. It was. It wasn't going to set the header and fire, and even with the King of the Ring in their second match later on, I, thought, I still think that went longer than this. I think this was the shortest, but that's what we're used to now with the women. But um, 
But no, I thought it was really good. And again, going back to what we had earlier on with the Cruisers, it's just another palate cleanser. You're coming off of a Ric Flair match. You're going to be getting into a Hulk Hogan match. This is when you put the women on. But they didn't. They didn't disappoint. And as I say, there, there is that kind of aftertaste in the mouth with the full big bum shit. But, um, but no, I thought it was decent. Yeah, as I said, it's one of those of... As you said, there was Russo-esque feud starting. <laughs> Russo-esque, come on, ladies. Well, we, we, he, according to the dates of what, you know, when he was there. He's their puppet master. He's pulling <laughs> the strings behind the scenes, like, come on. <laughs> you know, a whole feud about her not wearing a thong and having a fat ass and needed to use a fine master. Yeah, this stinks of Russo. He's a genius. <laughs> so we will go into our next match, which is Captain America versus Captain America. Kurt Angle versus Hulk Hogan. Collar and elbow to start. Hogan powers out. Chain wrestling and Hogan with a shoulder block. Angle with some brawls and hits a clothesline. Hogan shoves Angle over the, to the outside and then follows and we get a brawl outside. Back in, Hulk with some corner smashes. Angle hits a low blow and beats him down. A back suplex twice for two counts. Hulk with a suplex and a slam. Angle then puts on a sleeper. Hulk then puts on a sleeper of his own. Angle with a back suplex and hits the angle slam, which only gets a two. Hulk then hulks up and we get the big boot and he takes off Angle's wig. Angle then walks away in a huff. Angle then puts, or Hulk puts the wig on, which means Angle comes back with a chair, which he tries to hit Hogan with, but bounces off the rope and hits himself in the face to be big booted and leg dropped. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't because Hogan misses the leg drop. Angle puts on the ankle lock and Hulk taps out. Queen is a whistle. Who would have thought that the immortal Hulk Hogan would ever be seen submitting? I was shocked at this. But see, as soon as it started with Angle, and listen, you need to give him his dues. That stuff with the chair and the rope was fucking masterful, the way that he'd done that. I've seen Austin do that, and it, it didn't really work. I've seen Rocky do it, and it was actually really good. But cut fucking nailed that. It yeah. looked beautiful the way that he done that. But as soon as that happened, I went, like, "Oh fuck, here we go, big fucking Hulk up here it comes." And he didn't. He took the eye. Listen, he was in it for a good minute or two. He wasn't fucking. He wasn't just instantly <laughs> tapping. Yeah. But he sold it. He put it over. He had the reverse really, and he got out of it. But then he went back into it, and he did eventually tap. Give him his dues. He done it well. Um, it's similar to what you were saying with Eddie and Eddie and Nate earlier on, but it's there is limitations, obviously, with these two at the age that they're at. I mean, we were talking about. I mean, it's ten year for many a eight lace when we were talking about Flair and Flair and Hogan main event and that, and we ended up with Sid and Match coming in. But that was ten years ago, and they were no spring chickens then. Yeah. They were talking ten year hence, and we've got Hulk coming in. And as I say, he's pretty much wrestling weekly. I mean, there's the odd tag match. There's the odd kind of screwy finish. But 
he's pretty much wrestling weekly. Well, you say you say wrestling, you mean? Well, he's acting. Doing do, doing, doing the limited thing that uh, Hogan does. He's even going to say, well, he's not wrestling weekly. He's active. Well, he's not really active either. He's present in the ring <laughs> almost on a weekly basis. But um, but not for for the age that they're at and the limitations that they've got with with Nature's back and Hogan he's back and his legs and. They're, they're really they're not phoning it in anymore. I mean, we're only a couple of years removed from fucking deserts and hummers and finger of doom. Aye, it's amazing what you can see when there's actually a head honcho at a company with a bit of direction and actually being able to book quote unquote legends and actually being able to book matches run about them and putting them in there with talent that's able to work with people with that kind of limitation. I mean, we're talking about Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair. Eddie Guerrero, who's been doing this, with a familial heritage with his, his dad, his uncles and his brothers and things like that. Kurt Angle fucking started doing this three years ago. Well, two and a half on, two and a half on TV. And he's fucking in there with Hulk Hogan, getting a fucking good Hulk Hogan match. <laughs> two years into a fucking career on TV, you know what I mean? That's fucking, that's admirable. And um, I'm just delighted to see the finish of this. Because I say, when when did you ever think you would see Hogan tap clean for a submission win on a pay-per-view match? Look back even kind of three, four years ago with some of the, the WCW pay-per-view stuff. I mean, we're only, what, five, six years away for fucking uh, the booty man or fucking whoever it fucking was at the time. Big Yeti. Aye. And I mean... He was fucking main event in Starcade with Ed Leslie. And now you see him, he's fucking pitting over Kurt Angle and probably one of the biggest the biggest moments of Angle's career. With that reveal with like the, the headgear and the wig coming off and then getting the fucking tap out win over Hogan, and it was huge. I mean, I don't want to build this up too much because obviously it's, no, it's, it's basically a mid-card match at this point with the age of Hogan. But it's a fucking huge, a huge bookmark for... Not the twilight of Hulk's career, because I think he's still got a few a few months or maybe a year or something in him. But it's a huge thing for Angle that and especially when they've been trying to build up and, and nowadays we we Austin, we don't know where he's gonna be. You need to be building up the cut angles of the world to but make if, sure that they If you think this Hogan return, he's put Rock over. Yes, he had his glorified title win when he beat trips because you know he had to have the belt. Because you know he needs to have the belt. He then did the job back to Taker that you know was owed from 1991, mm-hmm. and now he's put an over angle, um, and it looks as though he's going to be doing something with Edge. Um, yeah. So at the end of the month, Edge comes back and they're working together. So I think I think something's wrong here. Where's oh, Where's the ego? And it's the, kind of like one of the horsemen coming over the hill, and it? it's like, oh, something's <laughs> going to happen here. It's, 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 very, it's, it's for, very foreboding. Yeah, it's like, where, where's when's the the apocalypse coming? Mm. Hogan Hogan's putting other people over and quite happily jobbing. Um, where Where's the stroking beard that doesn't work for me that we've had for the past what seven years whilst he was in WCW? You know. It wasn't, what, two years ago when we had Bash of the Beach and the whole speaking of him as he's, you know, come up multiple times this show already. Russo, 
and the fuck you Russo, I'm not doing this shit walk out when Double J laid down to get the title win. And even just a little Hensley, he actually admitted on TV this month that he's bald. Yeah. He actually engaged in a conversation that involved his age, which we know he's famously fucking temperamental over. Something's, I don't know, he's maybe taking a fall or something. You know how you get to that point where it's that age when you don't have a fall, you take a fall. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's maybe had a wee bump in the head or something's, uh, something's not quite going well in Venice Beach, brother. Or is this that he knows that this is this is it and this is not going to be for a long time, so he's going out gracefully? Or he knows that Vicious Vincent is back in town and there's a new sheriff, brother. <laughs> I better fucking keep my nose clean and make <laughs> sure that I'm fucking behaving myself. Uh, that boy is going to shoot and pop a cat from my ass. <laughs> Because oh, is that when he starts pulling that the it doesn't work for me stroking it, tash? It, it could well be. I'm sure that card is still in the back pocket somewhere. <laughs> so they made a big song and dance about The Rock being at King of the Ring, obviously when he came back and uh, after Austin had gone away and taken his ball. And this was all we had is a backstage skit with gold dust pretending to be the rock with booker t the rock coming in and basically doing a promo calling them to out and shooting on gold dust shit version of the rock you would when you go it's just one of those who's like you you made a big song and dance about the rock being there and of course yeah, we've not finished the show yet. Spoilers. Um, but if you advertised him as much as they put did in that sort of last week or so when he came back, and this is what we get. It's kind of, I mean, it's not as bad, but it's not a million miles away for the... Macho's going to be on pay-per-view and is he going to slap Hogan or is he going to shake his hand? It's not quite as bad as the ultimate surprise only on pay-per-view this Sunday and you don't get Jim Hill when you get Rick Wilson. It's <laughs> it's <laughs> the old uh, bait and switch is still alive and well in 2002. And you can understand that. I mean, obviously he's expecting to come in, what is it, they're billing him in like another two week or three week. I think it's mid-July that he's officially yeah. back. They've obviously shot a brick when Steve's fucked off and thought, listen, we need to get this cunt in here. But as you say, it's a nice thing to have on a show if you're not expecting it. Building it, and this is what you get, it's the full, is the, is the eyebrow half up or half down, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, you know, Booker and Goldust, I, I do find them quite funny. You know, they, they have their moments, but I did think, what the fuck? You you pushed the, the fuck out of the fact The Rock's going to be here. And we got that. But to uh, follow that, we had the King of the Ring finals. Brock versus RVD. RVD starts with some elbows and some kicks. 
and shoulders. Tries to do the monkey flip, but Brock powers that into a powerbomb. Brock then smashes into the corner post, but doesn't phase him as he then goes for a big old power slam that gets two. Backbreakers, a bear hug, and a sh- then his shoulder posts himself again. RVD at this point then hits a flying kick and an array of other kicks, which take a while to get him down, get Brock down. But he then hits Rolling Thunder that gets a two, the spinning leg drop, and the five star. And as he's about to get up to go for the pin, Heyman stun guns him. But RVD falls and lands on Brock, but only gets two. RVD then drop kicks Paul, and Brock hits the F5 and gets the win. Brock, being an absolute beast, not selling RVD's kicks, which makes sense. You know, you're building Brock as a fucking monster. Heyman was amazing during this, just constantly shouting about having to win to be the get the title shot at SummerSlam. Took the kick in the face like a fucking champ. And the monster is alive. And you, you know that Brock is a Vince McMahon, not a Russo, a McMahon wet dream. Big fucking lad that can throw people about. He see He sees money in it. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a new champion come SummerSlam and his name is Brock fucking Lesnar. It's actually the first thing I was going to mention was Paulie. So I'm glad that you did that, Lace, because you can tell as much as Vince, I'm sure, is invested in this Brock fella, Paulie's in for it as well. I mean, when's the last time you've seen Paulie bump? Paulie taking shots? And obviously, the Dangerous Alliance. <laughs> it's not a coincidence that he's in there with Rob. I mean, he's obviously got an investment with both of the fellas, and he feels probably as if he always robbed something for the way that ECW went down. He always brought something because he's been he's been paired up with him, he's been married with him, and then you want to obviously build them up, especially if it's going to be leading to a King of the Ring win, a potential main event at SummerSlam, maybe, as you say, a win, a shock win at SummerSlam, whether it's against Taker or Hunter or maybe Steve or whoever it is. Um, it, it's just, it's really nice to see them actually having a plan. And I mean, I know I was almost joking about it earlier on when I said about the Deadly Games, Hang uh, for 98, but it's nice to see them actually get into a tournament with a plan, with a victor in mind, delivering on it, and it delivers itself. It's just nice to see that they've still actually got a bit of foresight and a bit of forward planning with these kind of things, as much as it's maybe been sped up a wee bit with the, the departure of Steve at least for the for the minute. It's if you've seen them in a lineup with Brock on the end, I mean name any other fucking four, six, eight people, you're gonna pick the big boy with the tattoo on his back, aren't you? <laughs> no, I mean the lats that's on him, that big fucking muscle hang behind the neck that I never know what it is. It's like his fucking head is on a fucking mountain and the head itself is mountainous. No, I mean, it's like, you, it's like something you would fucking... It's like, see, when you draw at school and you draw a monster, it's like fucking crying at the turtles, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> fucking... He's just like, he's what you would draw as a big... I'm not going to say the word beast because that's a bit different meaning in Scotland if you're a beast. But um, 
he's like that kind of big monster animal. I mean, it's a brick shit house. Aye, and I mean, it's something where you can. It's not even just the the. I mean, how many people do we see coming in and out? Whether it's a fucking an Adam bomb or a name any fucking fella or six and a half feet tall, and they've got kind of two fifty, two eighty pound on them. You just see these people coming in, and it's like a fucking conveyor belt. You've got Sid there, and he just wants to play softball. And no, I mean, you, you get these people coming in, but Brock seems to have something else, whether it's his age, because he's still young enough, he's mouldable. He's got Heyman there to talk for him, and they're obviously on side, so they're putting him in, putting him in advantageous angles. And I don't know what it is, but there seems to be something different with Brock, and he's got fucking speed as well. Well, the fucking speed that that boy can move at for the size yeah. is frightening. Like, is, he, unlike a lot of the other big lads, is an amateur wrestler. That's a, also true. A, a fucking very successful amateur wrestler. So the the speed and the snapping on the suplex and stuff, if you think he's basically as his amateur, I think his amateur stuff is nearly as good as Angle's. Right. It's just he's in a completely different weight class Aye. because he's not, you know, Angle's not brick shithouse level. Angle's like muscly and solid. I think but, he's in another fucking species class, never mind weight class. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the level that fights fucking bears. But yeah, no, this is the thing, like, I, I think with Brock... If they keep Heyman with him, because he does need a mouthpiece, because the few times we've heard him speak, I think he's one of those that you you can like. If you think Taker back in the day when he was first yeah. in, Taker drops the few important lines, but Paul Bearer did all the the main talking. Yeah, he does the work. I think you you need Heyman with him for a while um, to be his mouthpiece, but. You could quite easily fucking just let this lad go and just be like, right, there you go. And as long as he's fucking there with Heyman doing his talking, Heyman probably is teaching him good shit to know because, you know, Heyman has been around this for a very long time. And, you know, when he doesn't have to control finances, he is a wrestling genius. The, The boy is... The boy's got a good fucking stead here to be as good as he wants to be. I hope so, because he, he is different. I mean, I'm every time I'm on this show, I'm, I just want something a bit fucking different. He's certainly different. The only thing that worries me at the minute is the um, they're creeping in some Goldberg chants. And I'm a bit... If that, you can't tell the difference between Billy Goldberg and Brock Lesnar... That's because, for you. that's because a certain bill um, was free of his contract oh, is he, oh, right, right, right. last month and has agreed a deal in oh. principle. Oh, well. But obviously that's that's people that are in the know know that he's, signed, he's in principle signed a deal. Well, but I'm very so, glad you've said that because I was more worried that they were putting it all. Brock's big. Brock's beating folk, Brock's on a bit of a run and he's getting a bit of a streak building up here. That's what I thought the chance were for. No. Like, you can't fucking tell the difference between these two, that he's just been fucking thrown <laughs> into this pit. 
and Brock's been fucking bred for this shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you've said that because that would be a that would be a match. That, the point where we see that. I think that's more a case of with with this it's going to be they know that he's potentially on his way. Fair enough. And they want to see Big Lad slap Big Lad, probably. No, that's cheered me up, you saying that, because I was just worried that that's what they thought Brock was, and I'm like, mate, he's fucking leagues above fucking Goldberg. So we've waxed over all about Brock. What do you think of the match it's as good as you're going to see in this kind of environment when you've got the two matches, you've got the clash of styles again. I don't think it's coincidence that Paulie was in there when you've got his history with Rob, his, history, well, his kind of presence and future with Brock. I think it was really well worked. And as you say, Paulie was just masterful. The the actual kind of... The, I'm, I'm going to use two names, one of which he would be happy with, one of which he maybe would be less than happy with. But he'd done the Bobby Heenan stuff, with like the shouting and the distraction and the, the psychology. But he also did the Jim Carnett stuff, with like the getting up in the apron, taking the bump to the floor. He kind of mixed the two of the, the, two of the different styles magically. And they are my... I mean, I know there's a lot of talk these days about Mount Rushmore. They're certainly three you mind for a manager's point of view here in Carnet and Heyman. And Heyman actually managed to get the two kind of best things about the other two people and mix them into the one match, but also put that shine on his guy, which you yeah. don't really see a lot these days. And I think that really helped it. But but Rob done his work as well. Listen, we're going on about we're going on about Lesnar here because he's kind of like the new toy that we've got to play with. Don't dismiss the the work that Van Dam done in this with like some of the kicks that he was putting in. It the the villain's only as good as the as the hero, isn't he? And yeah, Batman needs Joker, so Van Dam done his done his done his stuff here. And that's the thing with RVD in this because we all know how much of a fucking of a boy RVD is for me. I'm giving you your moment, yeah. Um, he hit all his shit. And it was did did all the RVD stuff that you want to see RVD doing, but the fact that it took ages to get Brock down, it took a load of kicks to get Brock down. You know, he hit Rolling Thunder, it didn't get the victory. He hits the five star, but it didn't work. You know, it was all RVD still got his shine in this. It just shows that Brock is a fucking monster. <laughs> And it didn't hurt Rob either. The no. way that the match worked too, he still came out well. And that bit of, that bit of selling where, where Paul, he gets up and stun guns Van Damme and then he accidentally falls on it. Brock. And that fucking, another reason that Brock is one for the future, that fucking kick out at 2.99. Yeah. Brilliant. And as I say, as an actual match in a vacuum, it was really decent. Add into the fact that Brock's fucking brand new. Add into the fact that it's his second match of the night. It's just, it's as good as you can expect for a King of the Ring final. And dare I say, next year, in the next five year, ten year, I don't think this is going to be another 95. I think they'll probably include 2002, dare I say. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, they're not going to admit Brock like they did. I don't think they're going to Mabel him. I don't think they're going to Billy gun him. I think Brock's going to be all right. So backstage, we see Trips bumping into the NWO um, and having a Nice little chat with Sean, Kev, and X-Pac. Not so much for Big Show. 
And the NWA say, if you need help, you know what to do. So we go into the main event of the evening for the undisputed title, which sees Triple H going against Taker. We get exchange of punches to start. Trips with some elbows, Taker with some corner punches. They brawl outside. Back in, Taker with punches and trips then up for the 10 punch spot. But that is turned into a snake eyes. Taker then goes in for a beatdown. We have a side slam and an elbow drop that gets a two. Hanging elbows and a leg drop for a two. Trips with some punches. Taker hits a big boot. Then they go back outside for some more brawling. Back in the ring. Taker with a clothesline and a leg drop that gets a two. They both go up top and block Trips blocks a backdrop. We get a Taker flying clothesline, which only gets a two. Corner clotheslines. Taker takes down the turnbuckle pad. Trips with a neck breaker and a spine buster that gets a two. Trips into the exposed turnbuckle and then with it hits a snake eyes on there. Trips then hits a high knee, gets a two, and we then get a ref bump. Double clothesline. And I will say, this match up until this point was very much helped by Paul Heyman on commentary. We then hear the Rock's music as he comes out to go onto the comms. Taker gets a chair, trips with a knee smash, and then they both go back outside again for more brawling. Taker with big boot to Rock. Rock then hits some punches on Taker and grabs a chair, but accidentally hits Triple H. Taker then is all over the rock, and we have Trips is busted open. And this is about 10 minutes worth of stuff, whilst the ref is still down. Taker in the ring with the last ride that gets a two, because the second ref turn finally turns up, only for Taker to punch him in the face. Rock in and hits the rock bottom on Taker. The original ref finally comes around and gets a slow two count on trip for trips. Trips with a pedigree, but the ref is said too much taken out of him for him to actually even bother making a count. Take it with a low blow and a roll up for the win. Post match, Rock beats down Taker and hits the people's elbow. Trips pedigrees the Rock and then Taker choke slams Triple H as we go off the air. Aye, dare I say there's, there's certain matches where you kind of know what you're getting when you go into it. And I know it's my own fault, but I kind of had X7 in my head for this. And X7, that, I mean, it was kind of similar because it was also a 10-minute fucking ref down. So, I mean, I suppose there was parallels with 17. But, um, but aye, it was very much, a, I would say this was very much a B match that we go here for these two, whether it's an injury hang, a, 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 a tiredness, I don't really know. Hunter's obviously been out for a long time, but he's been back for six months. I don't think that's the argument. But um, after a really solid show, it was a bit of a damp squib. As you said yourself, the, the biggest saving grace of this was Paulie on commentary, as much as obviously he's getting over the fact that Brock's the champion and Brock's, well, the king of the ring, so to say, and he's going to be going up against the champion and he's obviously out to scout his opponents because that's what a good sports agent does. It kind of died a death when he left. As good as it was to obviously see Rock on TV for the TV audience and then you're seeing him on the, 
the pay-per-view, but he's backstage. You want to get obviously get him out in front of the crowd because that's what your money is with Rocky and they go at that as well. But for the actual match and a main event, I mean, how many how many times back in the day did we used to see it with WCW where there was a really solid undercard and then the main event just kind of under-delivered a wee bit? It was kind of harping back to that for me. Yep. But um, I, I'm not going to be too negative on it, though, because otherwise it was a fucking good show. I was just a wee bit disappointed, especially with the names that's in there when you've got a, a Taker and a Helmsley. You've got Paul E on commentary. You've got a Rock running. How bad can it be? It certainly wasn't bad. It was just a bit disappointing for me. This main event stinks <laughs> of a fucking UK pay-per-view house show level main event. Yes, it had insurrection and or rebellion wrote all over it. Yeah. Um, it, it was just, it was too long, it was too sloggy, it was too ploddy. As I said, if it wasn't for Heyman on the comms, the first 20 minutes of this or 15 minutes of this until Rock comes out was a fucking bore. Then Rock comes out, you've got the fucking 10-minute ref bump. Rock hitting Taker and uh, and then just to win with a roll-up. And I'm like, oh, really? It's, it stinks of... Oh, I think it was... I think it was the 2000 one where there was the triple threat main event. For King of the Ring, which again was another one where the main the title match was just shit. Uh, I think it may have been I. It it's it's again this this stinks of this main event stinks of UK pay per view house show level match and these I I know we've seen these two go at it countless times and I can count many more times when we've had much better than this so let's uh go for a overall view on the show what were your thoughts as a whole i'm not gonna let as 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 disappointing as the main event was i'm not gonna let it dampen the show because as a pay-per-view what do you go into it expecting and what do you go into it as a company looking to deliver I think they've done that. They built it's king of the fucking ring, and they've got an absolute diamond and a crown for a king of the ring this year in Brock Lesnar. You've got Hogan and Flair still delivering at the age that they're at. You've got a couple of title changes. You've got a decent cruiser match. You've got a big brawl or that kind of horse fight with with Test and Lesnar. Jericho was at the start of this, and you almost forget it the length of the show and everything else that happened after that, but. It was a good start. It was a disappointing end, but there was some good stuff in the middle. And ultimately, the goal was achieved with getting Brock over. You've got Heyman out there delivering. Aye, there was a bit of Russo stuff in my point of view with the, the lassies, especially with like the, the Molly stuff and the Nidia stuff. I think if it was a better main event, I would probably have been touching an eight or an eight and a half for this show. I'm maybe just overly positive because I don't do this show as much as I usually do, so you're maybe a wee bit more kind of blighted on this than I am. But even with that main event, I've still got to get at least a 7 out of 10 less. See, 
I will give it a seven on the caveat that you turn it off after the King of the Ring final. You don't need the main event. Um, See, for me, it would have been an eight if you'd have turned it off after the King of the Ring final. It's the main event that dropped it to a seven for me, so I'm a bit disappointed that you would have wanted a seven up to the end of Brock. See, the thing is, it was... Because, obviously, we do so many of these and with the ratings and stuff, there's got to be amazing to to get those higher scores. This is a very enjoyable, up, up till the main event, a very enjoyable, easy watch with a lot of solid, decent matches and a couple of really good matches. But there's nothing... That when we come to the back end of the year, am I going to go? Oh, I need to rewatch King of the Ring for this or that. You know, it's all very good, but nothing's exceptional for that's me. Boy, that's a fair comment. Yeah, you know, as I said, if if it had ended with just Brock, then I, you know, I may have gone a little bit higher than a seven. But I do have to take it as a whole. And yeah, the, the main event does uh, give it a little bit of a kick. But I think I think seven is a solid rating for, for what is a solid, decent show. But as I said, there's nothing here that at the end of the year, am I going to go, oh, these are for the end of year list. You must watch these matches. I don't know. There's a couple of fucking contenders for the Russo Award, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Russo booking. <laughs> and the big bomb 2002 goes to. <laughs> so we will just go over the couple of little bits that came out of the TV the week after the pay-per-view. Um, so Raw opened up with Vince in the ring telling us that we need to see some ruthless aggression. Whatever that means, um, I'm guessing we're going to have a new slogan because, um, as we all know, Vince loves a buzzword. And on SmackDown, we are seeing a full class of OVW pull-ups. Um, so already we've had Randy Orton and Batista, um, the Deacon, that have come up uh, from OVW. But there is another newbie on the scene who had a decent show out with Angle by the name of John Cena. Um, from what I've heard, he was one of Cornette's star pupils and was very, very highly rated um, by Cornette and all the OVW guys. So, you know, he was rated higher than Brock was in the uh, training class they came from because they're both um, in that same training class. So sharp, higher than Brock. Yep, Cornet put said that um, of the when he was ranking who his uh, his students, it was Cena one, Brock two. So wow. if we've if we've seen how good Brock is, let's see how good this Cena kid is. So that draws us to a close for this month. Um, obviously, we will find out what the fuck's going on with. The uh, Austin situation in the future. Um, maybe, you know, by next month's TV, he's back and all is rosy in the garden again. 
Um, but who the fuck knows? Del, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on from this month? I just want to express my disappointment that the prize I have been awarded for my Russo bingo card is actually Judy Bagwell's forklift. <laughs> and um, I'm quite disappointed with my, with my prize haul, but otherwise I'm reasonably well for the month. <laughs> well, it could have been worse. It could have been the Viagra on a pole. That's true. That's true. At least I could have sold the Viagra when I'm fucking stuck with a forklift now and I stay in a bungle. <laughs> Well, you know, it's Glasgow. You can, you know, probably flog it to someone for, for a couple of bottles of Buckfast, buck you know. Well, here's hoping. <laughs> or just go to the warehouse and steal the creative Buckfast and just drive out two miles an hour. Exactly. You need to see the positives in everything, Dell. As I always do. And here's to July with Vicious Vincent back in charge, pulling the strings. <laughs> so... I am on the hosting duties again for next month. So double months for me. Let's see what I get with the world of potentially of Russo. Woo! Oh, that could be so much fun. Um, so Del, as always, it is a pleasure. Do you have anything that you want to share with the group? Uh, I've been eating wine gums during the duration of this podcast and I just want to put a special shout out to the death, hopefully, of sports mix because they're just shit wine gums. I'm pretty much convinced that that's what sports mix actually are. See, when the wine gums go out of date, they just take them out of the wine gum bag and put them into a sports mix bag. So I hope that their future is as assured as Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2002. <laughs> Death to Sports Mix. That's my promotional message for this month. See, um my I forgot to bring my snack in with me because I had a chocolate orange that I was gonna uh snack on this evening, but I've left it in the fridge. Is, is it a fully well packaged chocolate orange or is there any superficial damage to the packaging? <laughs> it is a fully well packaged chocolate orange. I just need to mention, like, the chocolate oranges are available from Rawlinson's. That's a contractual agreement that I have with the producers. <laughs> I do, I do love me a chocolate orange. Um, so things I'm going to pimp. Uh, so I do a comic book show on the YouTube's. Um, so if you search up Sen and Lacey's comic stash. Um, at the moment, we are just re-uploading all our older shows because um, we swapped from. Uh, the group that we were doing it with and to doing it on a Todd on our own feed. Um, But there are new programs coming on there soon um, where we basically cover comic books and comic book films and comic book based video games and all the joys of that. And I also do music reactions, um, reacting to all sorts of joyous uh, tunes, mostly uh, some Rammstein at the minute because Rammstein do fucking banging videos and uh, so they are all easy found so if you search for Seddon and Lacey's Comic Stash follow the channel Pop Culture Productions and you will see all of the joys on there um, and as always if this is your first episode of Wrestling 20 Years Ago we've got like 8 years worth of old shit listen to that and you can hear me and Dell in the annals of time going on about such wonders as AAA When Worlds Collide, the full run of ECW from 
when it became Extreme Championship Wrestling to its death. WCW, all the Fed. Yes, because I'm still calling it the Fed. And you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. You can find us on Facebook, searching Wrestling 20 Years Ago. Um, We're usually sort of 20-year-old updates of what happened these days on 20 years ago. And uh, as always, rate, review, subscribe, and all those other wonderful podcasting things. We are on Spotify. Reviews on there are wonderful. iTunes on there, wonderful. And any other players of your choice choosing and you know it is that time of the year share with friends give them something to listen to whilst they're going on their holly bobs so until next month and vengeance i have been lacy that has been dell and we're fucking off hiya russo <laughs> fuck off russo <laughs> Oh, you're gonna take me home tonight Oh, down beside that red firelight Oh, you're gonna let it all hang out Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go round Be safe.